Let's Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome, everyone. I'm so pleased to welcome back Vicky from Womanico here to discuss continuing our conversation on gender inequality and today focusing on a topic that's quite close to my own heart, and that is carrying the mental load or at least carrying an unfair share of the mental load and the role that plays in holding women back from achieving all that they can be. Welcome, Ricky. It's great to have you back with us. Thank you, Karen. I'm looking quite forward to this discussion on mental load today. So, Ricky, let's start off at the very beginning. Let's demystify this term mental load. What is it all about and what are we actually referring to here when we speak about it? I think to understand mental load, historically, we have talked about care work. And in care work, we understand that to include childcare, household responsibilities. And in the development world, we even extend it to include community care. For example, in South Africa with the HIV pandemic, there was really an understanding that care work includes looking after people in your community, in your broader family. Now, mental load is development of that concept. It's beginning to understand that care work is not just the physical aspect of doing the work. It's about understanding that in order to do child care, in order to do household responsibilities or take care of others within the broader community, there's an underlying burden of cognitive or mental and emotional work. And the interesting thing about the idea of mental load is this link between the emotional and the mental work. So the mental work is around preparing and planning and anticipating and monitoring to make sure that these responsibilities that are necessary to keep us going in society carry on. The emotional aspect of it is that over time we begin to worry about it, even looking at the work of anticipating. So the work of anticipating is about thinking of the of what could go wrong and thinking of all the worries that what that could go wrong. So the idea of mental load is not just the thinking work and the planning work behind this this type of work. It is also the emotional work, the worrying and the disappointment and the guilt that goes along with not being able to meet these responsibilities. The thing about mental load is it's invisible work. If you understand the concept of care work, it's not seen, it's not recognized, it's not, it's not financially quantified in the world. It's invisible work. It's work that we take for granted. We take for granted that it will be done. It's also boundaryless work. So it's happening inside of your mind all of the time. And so it doesn't just happen at home. With care work, we think about people, women would put the shift in at work and then they come and put the shift in at home. But mental load is happening throughout the day. As a mother, I am always thinking and wondering about who is picking up the kids? Are the kids being fed properly? What is the kid's schedule, even when I'm at work? And the last aspect of mental load is that it's enduring. It's never ending. 
you don't stop thinking about and worrying about all of these aspects that we take for granted. Mental load is this level of work that women in particular perpetually do. Women perpetually do this work. It's taken for granted, bring your mom's birthday, remembering to send out flowers to your mother-in-law, remembering what are the things that are missing in the kitchen when you have to do the groceries. All of those aspects are what goes into mental load and it drains us in the work that we do because I work in the diversity, inclusion and equality space. Often we think about mental load as something that's very specific to women, but in the workplace, it's specific to particular com communities. This idea that I have to think through and do additional work all of the time. We give the metaphor of an internet browser. So if someone is not included in the workplace, they often have multiple browser windows open. They are thinking about how am I presenting? How am I speaking? How am I presenting myself in the organization in a way that is acceptable to the organization? So that's how I think of mental load, having multiple browser windows open all of the time. And if you have 10, 15 browser windows open all of the time, everybody knows that your, your computer won't work as effectively. And that's how mental load begins to come into the workspace. You're not able to work as effectively in the workspace because you have all of these worries and all of these different processes of thinking things through, planning, monitoring that are running at the same time. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the effects. It really became highlighted during the pandemic because suddenly those hours that we were away at work or able to think about these things, even if it was just at a distance, suddenly we had to take on so much more of that. And that extended then to, you know, planning what our children, for those of us that, that were homeschooling children at that stage, suddenly it was their added curriculum and their schoolwork on top of our daily things, on top of the worries about the pandemic and things being shut down and all the other pressures that came with lockdowns. And I think that's how people have really stopped to, to reflect. But one of the things that has come out of this, and if I read what's out there on mental load at the moment, it seems to sound that mental load is quite gender specific or, or it's mainly women highlighting or sharing their plight with carrying an, almost what they equate to be an unequal share of this mental load. Now, from my perspective, I think both genders would carry mental load, but I think the problem comes in is do we carry it equally? What is your view on that? So I want to start by saying that in a sense, the COVID pandemic made mental load more visible because it erased the line between work and home. But at the same time, the positive side of it is it made men more aware of these responsibilities and of the of parenting and the benefits of getting to know your child better. Part of mental load is based on the idea that women are empathetic. They're the ones who naturally and automatically know how to give emotional support and to give care. And as a result, they get to know their children better and they know what their children like. An example would be my children like to have the crust cut off their bread for sandwich. You wouldn't think about that as an issue of mental load. But if I want things to work smoothly when I'm preparing lunch for them, I need to cut the crust off the sandwiches. Now, fathers in relationships 
don't spend that kind of time with their children and don't provide that kind of care. So they really wouldn't know that. What COVID did is it broke some of those barriers down. We were all in the home at the same time and fathers found themselves having to take on more responsibility because mothers were balancing work as well as household and childcare demands. When we had the lockdowns, often very few people could afford to lock down with household help. And then, as you've mentioned, there was also the remote uh, schooling responsibilities. So it really brought these issues to the fore within relationships and fathers found themselves being asked to take on more responsibilities. In fact, in some of the forward companies, business was asking fathers, how are you showing up in your own home? And the bright side of of that is fathers really got to see the benefits of spending time with their children and got to see that they also want to be participating in their home. They also want to be supporting their partners. So mental load in and of itself is not gender specific. We talk about it as gender specific because underlying that are social gender norms that often see and demand that women play the role of household care and child care. So there's a social expectation that women would take on these responsibilities. But when fathers are aware of the responsibilities and of, as I've mentioned, the benefits of these responsibilities, they can easily take up that load. When I think about my own relationships and how often what happens with mental load is because they've not been primed to do this kind of work from childhood, because we live in a society where there's gendered expectations from birth, where the idea that women are empathetic, know how to give emotional support, know how to do caregiving is really embedded in us from when we're very young. So men don't really know that in order to do the task, I need to think the task through. I need to plan the task. In order to do the task, I need to consider the emotional elements of the task. And often what has historically happened is that they're doing the task but not thinking it through. So you ask a partner or a father to do the laundry, he's going to chuck the laundry into the machine, but not think about is there in South Africa, is there load shedding? (laughs) All of those aspects in order to plan the work through properly. There's a There isn't a gendered ability around mental load. There is just the history of not knowing and understanding that these cognitive and emotional aspects are necessary to get tasks done. Absolutely. And I think that's what frustrates most women to that point is because we don't understand they typically if you're in a heterosexual relationship you typically you live together so you're doing the same things and you're doing it day in and day out and you often can't understand why they just can't see what needs to be done because to you it seems second nature but I think you've contextualized that so well is it's it is unseen it's something that typically husbands don't pay attention to or haven't been aware of. And I think that's something very positive to have come out of the pandemic is that it has created this awareness. But I want to focus back on now. Yes, we acknowledge that there is mental load. Yes, we acknowledge that based on on previous social norms, et cetera, women do have a, tend to have this unequal share of it. But now how does this actually affect our progress towards gender equality? So it affects it in many ways just the psychological and mental impacts 
are enormous. Part of why mental load has become a current discussion is because COVID also made us so much more aware of mental illnesses and created a heavier burden on women. Women are exhausted. The statistics of burnout for women in the workplace are so high. They are exhausted and drained. So it just has that physical and mental impact. But it also impacts on the ability of us to make progress in terms of equality. We know that in, t- in terms of equality, economic empowerment of women is necessary in terms of the development and social development outcomes that we want when we talk about equality. And mental load is often the driver of women withdrawing from the workplace. So when we, when women have children, there's an expectation from the workplace of women taking flexible and precarious work because they are unable to balance a load of child care, caregiving and mental load and of women taking less leadership roles in a sense. It impacts on our ability to access economic empowerment. And then the final thing around mental load is that We are so busy as women doing all of this work that we're unable to really show up in terms of advocating for equality within our relationships, within our workplaces and within society. So the biggest aspect of mental load is how it drains women. It keeps from taking up opportunities. It keeps them from advocating for change. Absolutely. And Ricky, we are almost out of time for our session today, but as we end this conversation, what advice do you have for women who feel that they are carrying too much of the load? How could they address this? From my perspective, I think it's important to, to make mental load more visible. So to be more explicit, both for yourself and for others. If you think about mental load in the workplace, how it shows up is that is the expectation that because women are more empathetic, women are more caregiving, women do their emotional support, it's the expectation that you would play those particular roles in the workplace. If there is a member of staff or a colleague who is needing emotional support, it's expected that you would step into that. And what we know now and what we've come to know is that emotional intelligence is so important and necessary for the workplace. So it's about starting to make it visible with the communities, with the people that you engage with. It's about being able to say, no, it's important to a colleague or leader that you do this emotional work with your staff or with your peers and not expect that I will step in to do that emotional work. Some of the ways you can do it is just simply being rotational, having a a rotation of tasks. So every time there's a team meeting, it's not going to be expected that the woman in the room is going to think about catering. You rotate those. And it's the same within your relationship, in the home, in the household. It's making it visible. It's saying very clearly that in order to fulfill this task, it takes a mental load, emotional and mental work. I have five children and my eight-year-old is already very familiar with the term mental load. I explained to him that in order to fulfill the task of doing dishes, you really need to think through that task. And you need to think through what are the impacts if you break somebody, if you break something that is of value to the household. So we can teach our children from a young age. One of the things I do in my house is I don't do the shopping list. I expect my children together to put together the shopping list. So when something's missing, I point out that 
you really didn't take the time to think about and to look at what is available and not available in the house. And this is the consequence of it. So making it visible is not just pointing out what the mental load is also pointing out what is the consequence of not doing the emotional and mental work when you're trying to fulfill a task. The other aspect of it is relinquishing control is really allowing other people to find their own way in doing the work. Women take on a lot of work. We see it as our responsibility. We feel judged in society when we don't fulfill these responsibilities. So it's that internal work of letting go. It's that internal work of saying, I will allow somebody else to do the task. I will allow my partner to do the task and to do the task in their own way. They will also learn that this is the better way to do it, or they will learn a way that even is better than what I know. So relinquishing control and knowing that when you delegate or when you agree to pass on a task, you also can't control the way that it is done. And therefore you give up that kind of anticipation and that monitoring work. Because what we tend to do as women is we delegate a task or we allocate a task control over it by looking at how it's done. And I've done a lot of reading about how women cope, in particular, how women leaders cope. And essentially, a big part of coping is seeking support. So sometimes that looks like seeking support, a childminder, an au pair. Sometimes that looks like having support in a community, being on a WhatsApp group to talk about the challenges that you're facing. Sometimes it looks like the support of having your mother or having family around you to help with these challenges. So it's being clear what are the tasks that I need to look if I want to proceed into leadership, if I want to be progressing in my work, there's certain tasks that I do need to let go of, and there's clarity about how I can let go of them and not hold on to the white. So who do I trust to be able to do this task and to do it well? And then the last thing I think that is really important is to do the advocacy in your own home and in society. As I said, I'm teaching my children from very young that household responsibilities belong to the entire household, not the mom. And I have these conversations all the time. It's not my job as mom alone to think about these things. It's not my job as mom alone to think about supper. So I will openly say, I'm not going to manage supper this evening. Please figure it out. And for my children, that looks like deciding what we're going to eat, making sure you take the meat out of the freezer, making sure we have everything ready. So I'm teaching them very young to participate in the household. And that's what advocacy in your home looks like. But you also need to advocate in society. You need to advocate in your workplace. You need to speak up for yourself and know that when you are passing on and delegating these tasks, you're also teaching because historically we have not up and primed or equipped, particularly our men colleagues and our men leaders to do this kind of work. So you have to give them the opportunity and advocate why it's valuable that they do this work as well. Fantastic, Ricky. Always a pleasure having you join us. And just I'm looking forward to our part four, where we, of course, start looking at the role that women play in driving transformation. And I think we've already started speaking. You've mentioned advocacy, etc. So I'm really looking forward to deepening that conversation in terms of how we can really step in and advocate for ourselves. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. Looking forward to our next conversation.